Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. And a welcome to the uh, program. I guess that's what it is. Uh, it's July 28th as well. It's a Wednesday. And uh, yesterday uh, proved to be a extraordinarily busy, overwhelming news day. Um, and I want to uh, back up and talk about some of those events and uh, and stories because any one of them uh, could keep us occupied for uh, hours. Uh, as you know, I was I was in a bit of a snit yesterday morning. I really di- I didn't want to do the show. I wanted to watch. I wanted to watch the uh, the hearings, uh, the January sixth uh, commission hearing, um, and it turned out that immediately after the show, of course, I turned it on and and was able uh, to watch. It was just incredible, uh, riveting, chilling testimony by four men, all of whom risked their lives quite clearly. The video evidence that accompanied their testimony showed uh, quite literally uh, they risked their lives suffered grievous injury trying to protect our democracy and trying to protect the uh, people that were inside uh, the U.S. Capitol, Uh, not the insurrectionists, but those who worked there, elected and or staff. Uh, The video we saw that day, the day of January 6th, was startling, but it was nothing compared to the video that has emerged since, and that is the body cam video from officers that were in the midst of this attack. And it is almost impossible to watch it and to realize that you have an entire party political party in this country uh, that tens of millions of our country men and women vote for with regularity that is attempting to depict this extraordinary murderous violence as nothing special. Um, both Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy, the two Republican congressional leaders, said that they uh, didn't have time uh, yesterday to watch the events. I mean, the te- the hearings. Uh, I suppose it's best that they spared themselves if, in fact, they're telling the truth, which would be uh, astonishing, because it was. Damning. I 
I watched it on Fox. And I watched it on Fox because I had initially gone to check to make sure that Fox was in fact carrying this because I didn't necessarily make that assumption because Fox has turned away from uh, obvious major news events if it doesn't fit comfortably into the narrative that they sell their credulous audience. And I was, I admit, pleased to see that Fox had the hearing on. And I stayed with it because of my fear that they would tune out if things got a little squirrely for them and their audience. But they did not. And the one, again, call me naive, hope still burns in this in this increasingly cynical breast, but I thought, thank God that all those people who only see Fox News are finally hearing and seeing things that they have not heard nor seen before. And because the testimony was so compelling and the video so clear, surely I hoped and continue to hope that Fox carrying that yesterday helped peel away a few Fox viewers into seeing what really happened that day. The four police officers were uh, just incredible. Their testimony, um, you know, it was hard to watch because of the emotion uh, those testifying cried, fought back tears, let go of anger, disbelief. But even more extraordinary were the tears of members of the committee. And the first uh, that I saw uh, lose it was one of the Republicans on the panel. Uh, Representative Kinzinger. And I know he was probably embarrassed because he could barely speak initially when he was called upon to ask questions of the four officers. And he managed to say through his tears, I didn't expect that this would affect me. But, oh, it did. And my eternal admiration 
goes out to him and to Liz Cheney, two people whose politics I am opposed to, but whose character is clearly on display. The courage that the four officers showed is mirrored in the courage of Cheney and Kitzinger. Kinsinger. Because we hear, and it's true, that there are a lot of other Republican office holders who know the truth, who agree with Cheney and Kinsinger, and yet don't say a word. And they don't say a word because fear, fear of losing their jobs, which I find disgusting, and fear of possibly getting killed or their families killed because of the deranged Americans who have fallen prey to this Trump cult. Make no mistake about it. Cheney and he, Kinzinger, are, um, I am sure, uh, living with a great deal of fear. And I think their fear is warranted. There is no way, and if you did not watch and could have watched you made a a wrong choice. I think it was more riveting than anything I saw watching a Watergate hearing, watching any of the impeachment trial. Because this is something that we all witnessed in real time, although we didn't have a clue how frightening and how close this mob came to winning the day. It really is extraordinary that those Capitol police officers and the Washington police who showed up were able to somehow hold the line. And what also was astonishing to me is that the grievous injuries they suffered. In in one case, this D.C. officer, I think Fantone is his name, he was being beaten bloodied by the mob. Fanone, his name is. He was tased repeatedly shocked over and over again. He assumed he was going to die. He was saved by other police coming at great risk, obviously, to themselves. 
outmanned, outgunned everything and dragged back to safety. He was unconscious. He had been beaten unconscious. He was unconscious for four to five minutes. And I guess what astonished me the most, it turned out later, by the way, he had suffered uh, a concussion, a brain injury, and a heart attack. And what's most amazing is that when he came to, he collected himself a little bit and went back into the fray. Each one of these men, even injured, even seeing how outnumbered they were, went back. And as they said, they had taken an oath. (laughs) Can you imagine? They took the same oath that the uh, Republicans took upon taking office to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States from from enemies foreign and domestic. And that's what they were doing. Even willing to risk their lives. One of these officers, a naturalized American citizen born in the Dominican Republic, a clear American patriot, he served in Iraq. He said his entire time in Iraq even though there were many times he was in fear and in fear of his life. He had never felt the level of fear he felt that day in the Capitol when his attackers were American citizens. Black officer Harry Dunn, this huge, huge guy towers over all the others. He was not only set upon like the others, but subjected to extraordinary racist epithets. Have to stop saying extraordinary because they're not extraordinary. They're frighteningly ordinary. A black man defending white Republicans, keeping this mob from overrunning the Senate and the House. And as he said, when you're a cop, 
and your call to action, you don't ask, well, am I there? Am I protecting a Democrat or a Republican, uh, an independent? Because I only I, I only protect, uh, you know, that group or this group. No. And to think that Republicans are going to keep up this narrative that it wasn't that big a deal what happened. That the Democrats are somehow overplaying it, politicizing it. When what was happening was an attempt to overturn the results of the presidential election. This country, through war, through turmoil, has never not managed to have a transfer of power, a peaceful transfer of power. It is one of the things that America could be said to be exceptional about. But the reality is, watching this, being reminded of this, that for the first time, we did not have a peaceful transfer of power this year in this country because the then sitting president fomented this rebellion in an effort to overturn the will of the people. I don't think it gets more serious than that, right? Does it get more serious than that if we're talking about preserving our democratic republic? Hmm. That Republicans would dare to continue to say that these were not Trump supporters. One of the officers said that the thing that freaked him out the most as they were trying to kill him and gouge out his eyes and kicking him in the head. One of the things he found the most, I think he called it confusion, in the course of perhaps being beaten to death by this crowd. He said this, I saw the thin blue line flag. That's the flag a lot of them were carrying, the one that takes the stars and stripes and uh, changes uh, some of the stripes into blue, which is intended to show support for police. And this top, Officer Hodges, who was being crushed 
you've seen the video, I assume, of him. He was the officer who was crushed. His head was crushed between the door and a wall, and they just kept banging that door into him. Someone tried to gouge his eye with their thumb. Uh, Officer Hodges said, I found the quote here, to my perpetual confusion, I saw the thin blue line flag, the symbol of support for law enforcement. I saw it more than once being carried by these terrorists as they ignored our commands and continued to assault us. Yeah, perpetual confusion, cognitive dissonance, the mob carrying flags saying that they stand with the police while trying to kill the police. As I said, Mitch McConnell and uh, Kevin McCarthy said that they didn't have time to watch this testimony. And as uh, the testimony was occurring, uh, a number of other uh, Republicans also clearly, uh, clearly were not uh, watching because they instead took the time to gather outside the Department of, of Justice to decry the prosecution of these insurrectionists. Six House Republicans who were escorted, by the way, by a guy in a Trump costume with a sign saying Trump won, stood in front of the Justice Department as these brave police officers were testifying about their near-death experience and our democracy's near-death experience on January 6th. And these six Republican legislators were calling on the Justice Department to release the political prisoners. One saying, this is Congressman Gosar of Texas, excuse me, of Arizona. This is the one with the siblings who are constantly telling people this guy is insane and he's, uh, he's dangerous. Representative Gosar said yesterday, these are not unruly or dangerous, violent criminals. He's uttering these words as we're looking at the body cam video from these police officers who were so lucky to escape with their lives. Gosar went on, these are political prisoners 
who are now being persecuted and bearing the pain of unjust suffering. Joining Gosar was, of course, pedophile Matt Gates, traitor and fascist Marjorie Taylor Greene, the usual. The uh, all members in good standing, I believe, of uh, the Republican Party. And at one point, while they're standing outside the Justice Department, some other Americans, counter-demonstrators, started showing up with signs saying, traitors sit down, and heckling them and blowing whistles. And so these six brave Republicans decided, we got to get the hell out of here. And they ran. They literally ran away from peaceful protesters. This happening concurrently with these brave cops who, despite their own grievous injuries and being outnumbered God knows how many to one, kept on fighting to protect these jerks. To protect Gosar, to protect Gates. And they ran. Here's an account in the Washington Post. They fled to waiting vehicles. They were not in it. They were just being, you know, subjected to verbal, nothing physical, to verbal protest. They fled, says the Washington Post, to waiting vehicles, one of which sped off the wrong way on Ninth Street. It swerved in front of oncoming traffic onto Pennsylvania Avenue amid a hail of honking horns. They turned tail and ran. From nonviolent protesters. Unlike the protesters on January 6th, who they are now calling persecuted political prisoners. How does anybody stand with a party this repulsive. How? How does a party stand? I mean, how do people stand with the senator from my home state of Wisconsin, Ron Johnson, who had the gall to say, by and large, it was a peaceful protest. 
Representative Clyde of Georgia saying, it was a normal tourist visit. How does anybody stay at the side of a party like that? A party led by a clearly psychotic man who, of course, said there was such love at that rally. One of the officers says he was still recovering from the hugs and kisses that those loving people bestowed on him. If you didn't watch the testimony of these four, I I would. I would watch it. You want a American history lesson. I mean, this goes into the history books. And these four men will be listed as true patriots. Well, that was one of the things that happened yesterday. And then, of course, the CDC uh, came out and said, uh-oh, sort of what, you know, anyone who's paying attention knew that this would have to be coming. In a country like the United States, where there are vaccines aplenty, and where if Americans had stood up on moth and gotten that vaccine, we would now be enjoying life as we used to know it. We would be the first country to beat back COVID. Living in a country with all of that vaccine where there are millions and millions and millions and billions of people in the rest of the globe begging, begging, for a dose. You talk about privilege. Privilege is being an American who turns up her nose at a life-saving vaccine. And now, because so many of our neighbors members of our family, whatever, I'm sure you know them. So many egged on by Fox News, egged on by the Republicans, egged on by, I guess, people who want to see as many people die as they possibly can, have refused these life-saving doses. And so now they have catapulted the majority of the United States, backwards. They have allowed the spread of the Delta variant. 
and as the CDC head said yesterday. The reality is, if these fools don't get it, and get it soon, and I mean get the science, get the fact that they have to get vaccinated and get vaccinated. If they don't get it, the head of the CDC clearly stated that we are potentially just a few mutations away from this virus figuring out a way to make itself over into a strain that our vaccines will not be able to protect us from. That's the way viruses work. And if people don't take the vaccine and they're aiding and abetting the killer virus, it's as simple as that. And we have so many of these people in this country. Where did I see it? The number of the majority of counties in the United States are, um, are in what the CDC would call um, a, um, I can't remember the terms they're using, but where there are enough new infections that you need to go back to masking in indoor situations, even if you're vaccinated, even if you're vaccinated. So I want to thank all of these people, some of whom I know, for bringing us to this and for allowing this virus to happily continue to find willing hosts and potentially to mutate into a virus we don't have the science yet to kill, which of course would kill millions upon millions of us. I have a caller. Go ahead, please. Hi, Lynn. This is Beth calling. Hi, Beth. Hi, about the virus and the members of the Republican members who still wish not to be vaccinated in state houses and in federal seats across this country. When you hear their description of why they and their families will not be vaccinated is that it's their choice to have what's in their body and they shouldn't have something medically forced upon them. And I thought to myself, you know what? Now is the exact time for Planned Parenthood and any other abortion rights group to start using these words. The difference is what you're doing is the same thing you do to women with abortion and using these same things for vaccination. The problem is an abortion only 
affects me. Where you not getting vaccinated, you, Mr. Pro-Life, quote-unquote, are now putting this virus on how many people and infringing my life. So I really wish someone would take this and spin it at them that way. They, they're they immune, <laughs> uh, to use a unfortunate pun. They're mm-hmm. immune to criticism. They are, their brains are shut off. They have opted to fall or for, for, and I've, I've been sent some of this, uh, some of the stuff they're falling for. Um, and some of it comes in, you know, very, very compelling packages. I have to say, you know, with very serious looking uh, doctors uh, telling them, that there are other cures and there are this is and that's and that for some reason, <laughs> for some reason, um, all the governments of the world are uh, refusing to tell uh, us about them. It is just astonishing. And you, and you have to wonder what what groups are generating like that disinformation campaign? Who's doing that? And I mean, for was, what reason? Yeah, right. I mean, if there was someone for the F, I'm going to say those are the people. And I just, I don't understand. I don't understand when a country went where we're getting ruled by stupid and we're being controlled by the stupid people. It just seems that's yeah. what's happening. And I know it's yeah, the stupid people have, leaders. they have. No, it doesn't because a lot of these people are caught. Co- there's people with college educations. The one person I keep thinking about um, who I know is not vaccinated, has a master's degree, is educated. Uh, No, it's not elitist. There's just something, there's like a screw loose. I don't know what it is. The inability to see yourself as not the center of the universe, but in fact as part, just one little part of something so much bigger, human life, humanity, and you are being asked to do one thing to save other people, and that is get a shot. I know. I know. Unbelievable. It was was even, I mean, my parents, and, and even though they've been vaccinated for how long, they've still worn masks when they going shopping. And my mom, because she was wearing a mask, my mom, who's, you know, I won't say public, but she's up there in age, was accosted by this guy because she and my dad were still wearing masks and were called these liberal blah, blah, blah. And, you know, to my dad type of thing of, you know, you just have to stop listening to women or something like that. So, of course, my mom, God lover, said, you know what, if women were in control of this world, you doofus. We wouldn't have the wars and everything and all the other chaos that we have. And I mean, she just laid into this guy. And I was incredibly proud that they did that. Also incredibly yeah. scared that this guy would yeah. you know, do something yeah, of course. too. Yeah, exactly. But this is this is what we're coming down to. It just um and I don't know how much of it is is it because of the social media BS that is just making it worse. I don't know. But I also echo your thing. I, I didn't get to watch it, but I got to listen to the testimony of the officers yesterday. Wow. How 
compelling. How just move? I mean, it um, it just makes you think that people like Jim Jordan, everything. You're just vile. You're just even more vile. If I thought you were vile before, it's even mm-hmm. more so now. Speaking of Jim Jordan, by the way, uh, it has become, uh, I guess, known that he talked to Trump on January 6th in the midst of this. And when asked on Fox News what he talked about with the president on January 6th, he didn't answer. He hemmed, he hawed, he the normally uh, smooth Jim Jordan. So he, who Pelosi kicked off wisely, kicked off the panel, could well end up in another hearing sitting before the panel as a witness if he talked to Trump on January 6th. So there were insiders. There were people in that these cops were willing to die for that were actually in on the the planning, the fix that we're yeah. aiding and abetting, well, along is, with the president of the United States. Well, and isn't it interesting, right after January 6th, in a hearing that had nothing to do with any of this, what was Hawley's question? It was all about, did the FBI record, uh, so how were they tracking cell phone stuff in the D.C. area on January 6th? And again, this was in a hearing that had nothing to do with this, but it made you think, why are you asking this question? It seems to save your own ass. As you right. want to make sure that they didn't record where you were and talking exactly. to certain groups and getting this thing going. Exactly. And Jim Jordan, we know what fine moral character he is, considering you let how many young men get sexually abused at Ohio State. So I hear you. Well, thank you so much, Lynn. Thank Have you. a good one. You too, Beth. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Um, you know, (laughs) oh, here it is. Nearly two thirds of counties in this country qualify under these new CDC guidelines that people in two thirds of the counties of the United States of America should go back to masking indoors because of these fools amongst us. Oh, I know. I'm not supposed to call them fools. Then I'll call them selfish. Then I'll call them, uh, I, you know, it occurs to me, you know, rarely do I credit the National Football League for for anything uh, that I consider a good move, but I'm going to because the NFL, to safeguard their gold mine, have, I think, come up with an ingenious idea to compel their players to get vaccinated because they got a lot of players, maybe because they've gotten hit in the head too much, who are taking really tough stands <laughs> saying, ain't nobody going to tell me what I got to do with my body. So the NFL policy, in case you hadn't heard, is that um, if there's a scheduled game and it turns out that uh, one of the teams has uh, 
COVID positive players on it, then uh, that team has got to forfeit the game. And that means that the players on the team will not only lose a game, but they will not be paid. And I believe, I'm not remembering it right, but it could be that the players on the opposing team don't get paid either, even though they get the win. Not sure about that. Now, what the NFL, that sounds really tough. Well, yeah, but what the NFL perhaps inadvertently has done there is in a in a brilliant metaphor told these recalcitrant players fine all right fine you're not going you're making a decision you all of a sudden all you folks are pro choice ain't that great and your choice is that you refuse to get the vaccination well the consequence is that you're going to cost not just you, you're not just putting yourself at risk. You are putting your teammates at risk, not to mention your enraged fans, not to mention the risk of not only the virus, but the risk of a title, uh, the a risk of um, losing a pretty ample paycheck. And so the NFL has made clear, okay, fine. You want to make a choice, make a choice. But every decision we make in life has consequences, good or bad. And we're telling you up front, the consequence to you not getting vaccinated is the potential, if you get sick, if you get tested positive, that you will cost your team a game and all of your teammates a paycheck. And so this encapsulates the whole thing that so many of these folks who won't get vaccines have trouble understanding that this is bigger than you. And the consequences of your decision will impact and affect many, many other people. That's what these anti-vaxxers can't get through their heads. They all think it's about them. And the NFL is in a peculiar position to be able to put their recalcitrant employees um, in a position of having to accept responsibility for their choices. Smart. And I see that I, I don't I think there's a uh, Minnesota Viking coach who has what resigned 
because he won't. He says, I'm not, I'm gone. And I think some other player on some other team, uh, fine, stand by their principles and yeah, idiots, but fine, go for it. And at least they are not anymore endangering the team. <laughs> Unbelievable. It appears that uh, Biden is going, I certainly hope he is tomorrow, going to mandate that all federal employees uh, be vaccinated. I'm waiting for um, governors, other governors, Mr. Wolf, to do the same for state employees. I'm waiting for mayors, Dudo. I'm waiting for uh, county execs, Fitzgerald. I'm waiting for employers, UP, and MC, and Allegheny General to mandate, 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 mandate. If these people won't get vaccinated, they have got to be pushed. Pushed. They have got to learn there are consequences. Ask all the dead people whether or not there are consequences, if only they could speak from the grave. And now, the other big story, Simone Biles. I called it yesterday, right? Susan and I were talking about the fact that she had pulled out Susan said it was for medical reasons. I said, yeah, that's what they said, but I suspect it's mental, medical, because of the tweet or Instagram, I think it was, that I saw that she put out the night before. And because of the way her face looked throughout, this was not the happy, extraordinary being that uh, I'd come to just be in awe of. This was an unhappy person. And she knew she, her head couldn't do it anymore. It's, you know, all sport is physical and mental, and mental is a huge part of the equation. Ask any athlete. And mentally, she was finished. Finished. And what courage, I swear, not selfishness, what courage it would take for somebody with the eyes of the world on her, the expectations and assumptions of the world on her. She's four foot eight, right? She looks, I keep thinking, God, if I ever met her, I mean, she wouldn't even, she could barely be past my waist. This little thing carrying the hopes and dreams of all of us on her shoulders, the constant media, the constant. Do you have any idea what that would be like? No. You can't. I can't. I can't. We've got to get off these women's backs. 
and I'm proud of him for standing up. Naomi Osaka, who, uh, you know, did the same at the French Open, said, I can't do this. She lost, astonishingly, her tennis match uh, yesterday, representing Japan, not the United States, representing Japan. And did you see how the Japanese turned on her? Well, these athletes owe us nothing. And you could see the way that Simone Biles' teammates surrounded her with nothing but love and support. They didn't say, you costing us a gold medal. They didn't say that. I see on social media, men, almost all men, (laughs) taking her to task, letting us down. What despicable gall. She will go down in history as the great one of the greatest athletes of all time because she is. And I look at the grief of these athletes under all of this pressure of us couch potatoes and media. Can you imagine NBC when she pulled out? NBC must have wanted to, like, kill her, I bet. Damn, how could she do that to us? All of their advertising, all of their promotion was based around her and another woman, Lidecki. And Lidecki's not stepping up. She's actually losing on occasion. Oh, yeah, she won. Yeah, she won a gold. Maybe she'll win another. But this was not the narrative. This is not the assumption. And you look at Lidecki after she loses to this young uh, Australian in a race that everybody assumed she was going to win. And she loses to her again in a race everybody assumed she was going to win. And is Lidecki freaking out? No. Gracious. Gracious. Would that we be so gracious. Um, In the time I have left, I I, want to, wow, there was a a story. I don't know, um, you know, I didn't see it in the print uh, version. I saw it online about a woman I never heard of, Jocelyn Bell. Uh, Jocelyn Bell Burnell, I believe, was the name when her name when she married. Um, who should have had a Nobel Prize? The prize, however, went to a man. 
who had not discovered what she discovered, but who took credit. Who knew, as a student at Cambridge, granted a PhD student at Cambridge, in 1967, first of all, the number of women in science, in a doctoral program in science in the world in 1967, you could probably count on, uh, you know, the, your fingers and toes. The field she was just taken with from the time she was a girl in Northern Ireland was, I don't even know what it is, radio astronomy. And in 1967, she's working in a lab at Cambridge. She's assisting this astronomer, you know, because PhD students work under professors. And she discovered pulsars. You probably heard the word, I don't know, pulsars. No one had known a pulsar before she discovered it. She didn't just discover one. She discovered a whole bunch. And she saw that there were these spinning, compact little things out there that were giving off uh, beams of radiation. Bang, 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 bang. But you can't have a girl, because that's what women were then. You can't have a girl besting all of these illustrious and eminent men in finding something so extraordinary. And so... When it came time to award the Nobel Prize <laughs> in astrophysics, it went to the professor who hadn't discovered pulsars, but was given the Nobel for it. He didn't totally say she had nothing to do with it. He acknowledged that this PhD student uh, that was working with me had done this or that, this girl. And media did uh, turn its attention to her a little bit. And she was asked questions like, what are your measurements? What is your bust, waist, and hip measurements? How many boyfriends do you have? I kid you not. There was another male astrophysicist who was fully aware of this outrage 
and who brought attention to it so that the jerk who happily accepted credit for her work was uh, embarrassed by media, some, a little bit of media attention that did occur, but he or his family still holds that Nobel and she doesn't have it. And you have to believe that this kind of thing happened over and over and over again to white women, to black women, to black men, to any person who was not a white male. And there are a lot of white men whose names have gone down in history who don't deserve the recognition or the position, who stole from people who were not in a position to be recognized. There is a 15-minute wonderful documentary, which is on the New York Times digital, um, digital edition today. I really, really recommend. You got 15 minutes, watch this extraordinary documentary. It's done by a guy who's won uh, Emmy, Emmy Awards. Um, and it's beautifully done. The headline is, she changed astronomy forever. He won the Nobel Prize for it. All righty, that's it for me today. Tomorrow, we're going to be talking with a wonderful uh, reporter who has been on this program before, Paula Reed Ward. Um, she has just um unbelievable piece uh, about uh, the use of force at the Allegheny County Jail. If you live in Allegheny County, or even if you don't, you need to hear this. And we, as residents of this county, need to rise up and demand that the abuse that is happening there. Stop. It is unbelievable. And it is beyond anything that is happening anywhere else in this state. Right there, when you drive by that jail, understand that that is a nightmare place that treats the poor souls in it in a manner that you should, that if you were doing it to a dog, you would be arrested and convicted. She'll join me tomorrow. Have a good day. Lynn Cullen Live. Monday through Thursday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. 
The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.